When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, welcome to the Steelers Now pregame scout. I'm Matt Geica, joined by analyst Derek Bell, of course, of SteelersNow.com. Follow and visit SteelersNow.com for all the coverage of what is now going to be the 91st season of Steelers football, which begins Sunday at 1 p.m. Acrisure Stadium's the site. It'll be a national audience, more or less, on Fox as the San Francisco 49ers pay their first visit to Pittsburgh since 2015 and just their second visit to the stadium overall they've only been in a couple of times and they've lost both times at the uh, quote-unquote new place there on the north shore well Derek let's get right into it here on first down that's how we'll do it we'll split up the the show each week into four topics as we try to break things down on a granular level and give you some insight into what you should be looking for when you watch the game on the weekend. But first things first, maybe the biggest story in the NFL this week, at least until the Lions beat the Chiefs on Thursday night, was that Nick Bosa got under contract. He was holding out the elite edge rusher, the defending NFL Defensive Player of the Year, 18 and a half sacks last season. Well, he's going to be in the lineup. We'll see how in game shape he is, but he's going to be a presence. He's going to be a threat, and the Steelers are going to have to have a plan to neutralize him as he has signed the largest contract for a defensive player in league history. So I saw you tweet something this past week. So we'll start there. You made the correlation with the Steelers facing the Browns, Miles Garrett, a couple times a year and how they handle him, how they give the linemen some help, how they scheme to try to at least neutralize and, and hold this elite rusher at bay. So do you feel like that would be the blueprint for how the Steelers go about it as they face Bosa this weekend? Yeah, getting to play a guy like Miles Garrett, you know, twice a year definitely gives you a little bit of a, you know, kind of preview of what, you know, the Steelers could potentially do, you know, facing another elite edge rusher like like Nick Bosa. Uh, Bosa presents, you know, similar challenges to Garrett, uh, you know, the edge position in general, just NFL wide is just so loaded. You know, you got TJ Watt, Miles Garrett, Nick Bosa, Micah Parsons. These guys are literal aliens out there. They're so athletic. Um, you know, they're just absolute freak shows that you can't completely just take out of the game. You just got to hope that, you know, they don't wreck your entire game plan. And a couple of things that make Bosa really difficult to defend is, um, you know, his brother Joey is, um, always been known as this like really technically refined rusher, you know, with the side scissors move. And, And there are things that Nick has taken from his game from a technical perspective, but Nick's even more athletic and even stronger um so like the breakout last season i guess you could call it a breakout was uh was really honestly like just a matter of time so the thing another thing that makes Bosa a little bit unique is he he's equally effective rushing from both sides he doesn't stay stagnant on the left or right side um you know he had 11 and a half sacks on the right side and then seven more on the left side the pressure rates are really similar so it's not as if, you know, you know where he's going to be on a down-to-down basis. San Francisco likes to move him around to get him in whatever advantageous matchup that they can find that particular week. So it's definitely something to watch. You know, Bosa is a difference maker. Obviously, when you're an offensive coordinator, when you're an NFL team in general, you got to be prepped for 
the disruption of your passer. And uh, so the Steelers, like you alluded to this week, they do have some practice at that. Uh, is there anything else about Bosa? It feels like we've known him for a while because he played at Ohio State. He's been on national TV for uh, nearly a decade now. So uh, we know him. We know the name. We know the family name pretty darn well. Anything else in his game that uh, might stand out to you or, or might stand out to someone watching that makes him unique among the guys out there who like to terrorize quarterbacks? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's really the the blend of technical refinement and athleticism. You know, uh, he can sequence moves together effortlessly. You know, when you watch him on tape, he's a really difficult guy to get, um, you know, a beat on in terms of, you know, tendencies or anything like that. Like I said, the, the side scissors move, which is something that they teach, um, you know, very effectively at Ohio State under the defensive line coach. It's something that he's perfected. Um, you know, Bosa is unbelievable in terms of just getting to the quarterback and it's not always you know just the sack numbers which were tremendous last year uh he also led the nfl i believe in quarterback knockdowns so you know just consistently getting that pressure on the quarterback you know it does a lot to you know kind of mentally fatigue a guy when you know that 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 guy's going to be in your presence even if you are able to get the ball out you know he's a guy that's going to hit you over and over and over so um you know we talked about miles garrett and some of the things that the steelers have done to try to neutralize his impact over the years, you know, it, it's not uh, that you can just leave these type of players one-on-one. -on -one. We see it with TJ Watt every Sunday. Uh, I expect a lot of 12 personnel, you know, they'll, they'll probably do some bunch sets. They're going to chip Bosa. Anytime that the Steelers get in what I would call like, you know, a obvious uh, passing down situation. So your two minute drill, your third and longs, you know, third and seven, third and eight plus, uh, you can expect the tight end to wherever Bosa is going to be lined up. You know, they're going to chip him. And the basically the idea with that is you want to make him rush twice, right? Like you don't, you don't want to allow him to just tee off with his ears uh, pinned back um, against these, these tackles for the Steelers. So, you know, they're going to, they're going to try to slow him down. He's going to get his, I mean, he's going to make a play. Um, like I said, I think the the overall impact for offensive coordinators and kind of the idea there is just don't let him completely ruin the game. Don't let him get that strip sack, that big forced fumble, um, or that big you know third down sack late in the game or something like that. You, you just got to make sure that he doesn't completely win them the game. And last thing on Bosa, does the fact that his status changed dramatically during the week, does that throw any kind of wrench into the plan? How much can you – uh, add in some things in the last couple of days of the week if you're prepping. Yeah, I mean, the good thing is, like, you know, if we if we listen to Mike Tomlin, they were preparing as if he was going to play. So I'm hoping that, you know, that that wasn't just coach speak. And, you know, the Steelers have actually been really anticipating um, his arrival to Akershire Stadium on Sunday. And I think that that's probably the case uh, just because, you know, I, th I think we all knew that this was probably going to get done. It was kind of surprising that it took as long as it did. You know, he did get $6 million more on the year than a guy like TJ Watt did. So that was kind of interesting in general uh, because, you know, if he was going to get the that type of money, it, it's like, why did this take so long? But, um, you know, the, the thing that you point out, you know, that could change is like, uh, you know, what's his conditioning level going to be? You know, is he going to be able to play his 80% of snaps like he normally does? Um, do, do the Niners try to maybe preserve him a little bit, maybe in the first half by rotating some guys in on maybe first and second down on more like run based downs. Um, but you know, Bosa, he's a freak athlete. So just like TJ Watt, when he, when he comes out there, I, I just, I think regardless of what the practice time looks like, I think you just uh, kind of anticipate those guys being different. So 
and the modern athlete tends to uh, stay in shape or pretty close to game shape. I don't want to say year round, but I think he's been taking care of himself, um, even yep. if he has been away from the Niners. All right, from the biggest uh, league relevant story, the, the biggest national story regarding the Steelers and the 49ers to the biggest story in Pittsburgh on second down. A lot of talk about Kenny Pickett, and for good reason. He made serious progress late last year. Uh, the Steelers, as a team, finished 7-2 and two in their last nine, rebounding from a 2-6 and six start going into their buys. So, uh, first of all, he had to have played at least a little bit better to uh, help lead them to that mark as he played most of the games down the stretch. Uh, that one at Baltimore especially stands out, the late rally against Oakland. Uh, but overall for you, what does constitute progress in year two for Kenny Pickett? It's a guy who has a reputation, at least he did at Pitt, uh, of getting better year after year and uh, his reputation coming out that he was maybe the most pro ready of the quarterbacks in his draft class. I guess we'll see about that time will tell, but where can he make jumps or even leaps here in his sophomore season? Yeah. I mean, you know, coming off the, you know, honestly flawless preseason, I think the the anticipate anticipation has only, you know, really grown over the past several weeks, right. You know, he led five touchdown drives and all five of his appearances in the preseason, which is, uh, definitely the way that you want to start, you know, year two in his first full season uh, as the Steelers starter. I think for for me, you know, there are some obvious things that, you know, Pickett himself has acknowledged that he wants to improve upon. Um, I, I think it's just being both more willing and more prepared to play within the structure of the offense. Uh, you know, Pickett does some good things in quick game, but, you know, you will see his eyes drop against the rush. You'll see him bail on pockets. Uh, you know, prematurely, which is definitely something that was on his college tape at Pitt. Uh, Pickett has a little bit of a chaotic kind of playmaker mindset. And that that does, um, you know, it's a good thing and a bad thing because you always want your quarterback, especially in today's day and age, to be able to kind of make plays on his own when things don't necessarily go the right way uh, within the structure of the offense. But having said that, you also would like to see him be a little more diligent in terms of getting to his reads a little bit quicker, cycling through his progressions um, and just hitching up in the pocket while keeping his eyes down the field instead of, you know, just immediately going into creator mode. And, um, you know, I think that there were some promising things that we saw in the preseason in that regard. You know, you saw him hitch up in the pocket a couple times uh, in situations that he probably would not have done last year. So I think overall, you know, you just want to see that incremental improvement, you know, week after week, game after game. And, you know, when you got a young quarterback like that, that's really all you can ask for. How can we read the tea leaves here as the new defensive coordinator in San Francisco is Steve Wilkes, the same guy the Steelers faced in Carolina last year. Pittsburgh pulled out a close victory, but it was Mitch Trubisky starting that game uh, as Pickett was out. So you can't really get that um, quarterback versus defensive coordinator matchup directly correlated here. But what can we learn from how Wilkes approached the Steelers in general? last season and uh, how that is relevant to Pickett's approach to it. Yeah. So, you know, Wilkes, obviously the interim uh, head coach last year, defensive coordinator for Carolina Panthers comes over to take D'Amico Ryan's spot um, as he took the head coaching job uh, over with Houston. Um, you know, there's going to be an interesting dialogue. Um, we're going to get to figure out what this defense really looks like from a structural standpoint. Uh, you know, in previous years when they had, you know, Robert Sala, they went to D'Amico Ryan's. There, there were changes in the way that they, you know, called games and different tendencies, but it was the same defensive structure because those guys have been on the staff. Well, Wilkes is a new face, so he's going to want to put probably more of his own blueprint. Uh, but I just went back and watched this week, kind of the Steelers and Panthers game, tweeted out some clips. 
um, just to find certain things on how they wanted to defend Pittsburgh. And it was very clear to me, you know, early downs, you know, they wanted to roll a safety in the box. They played in stacked boxes. So eight guys in the box or more on over half the snaps. You know, sometimes that's personnel dictated. But a lot of times that's just, you know, that's the number one priority. We want to put guys in the box. We want to stop Najee Harris, force the Steelers in the third and long. Um, you know, with the with that being said, even in passing situations when the Steelers would find themselves in the third and longs, this and that, um, they were playing a lot of single high, which puts a lot of stress on your cornerbacks. Uh, Deontay Johnson absolutely ate last year, um, especially the Panthers' backup cornerbacks. They just had no answer for him. So I think, you know, if, if, the, if the Niners want to play in that world um, of playing a lot of single high, the Steelers' receivers are going to have, you know, they're, they're going to have their way, in my opinion. Uh, they're going to be able to make some plays and have some good opportunities to move the ball down the field. Yeah, I was just going to ask you, do you think the Steelers running game has a better chance to make some hay against the Niners front? Or do you think it might be the kind of game where Pickett can go over the top or at least the, the receivers can be put in position to to make some plays? Yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those things, too, um, you know, where the Steelers have told us all offseason, you know, they, they want to be a really effective running team. They were really good last year running the football. They finished top five and rushing EPA per play. Uh, but you look on the flip side of that, too. I mean, this Niners defense, all the recognition they get, you know, year in, year out, and all the, you know, kind of excitement over that group from a national media perspective is definitely deserved. I mean, they were number one in defensive EPA per play, number two in rushing EPA per play, number two in passing EPA per play. I mean, they were good at quite literally everything last year. Uh, they've got, you know, superstar players, um, you know, not just Nick Bosa, but they got Fred Warner, who is probably uh, just as much of an alien at his position as Bosa is, honestly, uh, who's a really good cover guy. I mean, they've got underrated players throughout as well. It's going to be difficult, um, but I would say that the Steelers are probably going to try to uh, remain balanced, try to run the football. Uh, but there is a chance that, you know, they, that it could be um, a game where, you know, Pickett has to kind of step up and do a little bit more uh, through the air. The Niners have been strong defensively, it seems like, forever. And it looks like it's going to be the case again this year. But, of course, we'll uh, find out exactly how good as uh, we get some games under our belt here starting at Pittsburgh. Let's go on to third down. And uh, we talked about the, the Niners' pass rush and how it might affect what the Steelers are trying to do. But uh, Pittsburgh's own edge extraordinaire and TJ Watt might just have a better matchup than Bosa, at least in terms of one-on-one -on -one stuff, acknowledging that it's not always or not usually one-on-one. -on -one. It's usually one-on-two or one-on-three when it comes to TJ Watt. But uh, how can the Steelers, their defensive coordinator, Terrell Austin, dial up a scheme maybe to, uh, to help Watt make some hay? Because he's got an opportunity against uh, West Virginia University's Colton McKivitz, who just signed an extension. He's uh, the new starting tackle for the Niners on the offensive side, elevated to full-time starter, presumably here. So it's going to be Watt against McKivitz a lot of Sunday's game, we would expect. What do you think uh, Watt can do? Do you think that is a mismatch in his favor? Yeah, definitely. You know, TJ got a little bit of playing time. We saw him, um, you know, kind of do some really TJ Watt-like things against the Atlanta Falcons in that uh, preseason finale. Mm -hmm. So he he looks healthy to me, which is good because last year he even acknowledged he wasn't playing anywhere close to 100%. And, um, you know, the Niners starting right tackle from last season, uh, Mike McGlinchey, is now in Denver. He signed a really big contract. They elected to let him go. Uh, you mentioned McKivitz. He's a guy who – has spot started for them in the past. Um, Kyle Shanahan's pointed out, you know, that they've won games with him. They're comfortable with him at right tackle. 
but in a similar way that the Steelers are going to have the game plan around Nick Bosa, the Niners are going to be tasked with the same thing with TJ Watt. Um, you know, if, if they elect to any time that they look to pass the ball and, you know, they leave Watt one-on-one in that situation, he's going to win that rep. So um, even more so, I would I would even say that that's even more so of a mismatch uh, than Bosa against either of the Steelers' tackles. So, um, you know, some of the things that they can do, I'm interested to see what the, the structure of the defense looks like. Um, I, I'm interested to see if they blitz Brock Purdy a little bit, uh, just because, you know, Purdy coming off that torn UCL, you know, he's played a little bit in the preseason, but he's been on a little bit of, pitch ca- of a pitch count with his, uh, you know, some arm fatigue and things like that. I'm just curious on if Tara Austin and Mike Tomlin are like, okay, we're going to, we're going to be really aggressive. We're going to throw the kitchen sink at this guy, maybe get some five man pressure looks, which will, you know, kind of allow TJ to get maybe some one-on-ones on the outside. Um, but they're, they're going to throw a lot of attention his way, but this is a matchup that, you know, anytime TJ has a favorable matchup like this, you have to at least acknowledge it because it could definitely swing the outcome of the game. What's your feel on uh, Austin and the Steelers, uh, the defense under his watch, as far as the amount of pressure, the number of bodies they they do like to throw forward, it's not the uh, the golden days of the blitz are gone. I'll put it that way. It, it's more of uh, what can you do with scheme? What can you do without sending so many uh, rushers at the quarterback? So where do the Steelers uh, under Austin especially side on on that uh, on that teeter totter, if you will, without uh, taking too much risk? Are they able to to get home more often than not? Yeah, the, the Steelers defense uh, last year was a little bit different. I think the, the bigger thing was, um, you know, you saw, you know, more kind of split safety looks, um, you know, just alternating between, you know, a l- little less single high, uh, more two high shells. Uh, you know, the Steelers have always been known as kind of like a blitzing team, but um, they were only 10th uh, last year in blitz rate. Um, I don't know if that's going to go up or down. The, the intriguing thing, like you said, is um, – you know, you don't they may not have to blitz a ton just because of how much talent they have up front. You know, you've got TJ Watt, Alex Highsmith, one of the one of definitely the best um, you know, edge rushing duels in the league. And then, you know, on the interior, you got Cam Hayward still playing at an incredibly high level. Larry Ogunjobi's a nice player whenever he's healthy. Um, and then you even look at the death guys, guys that they've added this offseason, you know, Marcus Gold, Nick Herbick, who was absolutely a game wrecker in the preseason, uh, granted, mostly against backups. Then you got a guy like Keanu Benton. I mean, this is one of the very few teams in the NFL that can literally go five, six, maybe even seven deep in terms of pass rushers um, that can all win one on one opportunities when they present themselves. So that's something that definitely helps Watt too, uh, provided, you know, he's healthy and 100 percent throughout the season is, you know, Teams are going to have to game plan towards him, but there's only so much you can do when you're going to leave a guy like Alex Highsmith one-on-one or you're going to leave a guy like Cam Hayward one-on-one. So you can slide the protection. You can leave a tight end to chip and everything else, but you're going to have those matchups across the board that the Steelers are going to be able to take care of. The good thing for the Niners is they've got Trent Williams on the other side. So as great as Alex Highsmith was last season, that's a huge test for him. Williams is definitely one of the premier left tackles in the league. Um, unbelievable technician, but also an absolute freak athlete. Um, so that, that's going to be a matchup of, you know, kind of really two great, great players. Um, that's going to be something to watch on Sunday. As long as we're talking Steelers defense, not necessarily about Watt, but a little sidebar here. I've noticed that Minka Fitzpatrick is getting a lot of nationwide due as maybe the top safety in the NFL, why do you think he's made that leap? Because I feel like Steelers fans have known he's one of the, the the best defensive backfield playmakers for a couple of years now. But 
he has seemingly risen up. So uh, what do you think has made the difference or is it just longevity and staying power here? He's just 26, but uh, working on a few years at a top level in the NFL. Yeah. I mean, you know, we've, we've known about Minka for a long time, right? Like you said, I think the, the Steeler fans and the Pittsburgh, um, you know, media is, has definitely given him his flowers. I think, you know, with Minka, especially, you know, last year with, you know, six interceptions, um, I actually wrote a column for SteelersNow.com. You can go check out about bold predictions for the season. I actually, my bold prediction um, was that I think he was defensive player of the year. Mm. I think that, you know, he he really has that type of impact on the game. You know, something I really appreciate about Minka is, you know, the playmaking skills are rare, especially for a safety. Um, but all he just makes so many plays that are just in those moments, those key moments that just, uh, I guess, swing kind of the tide of the game. Uh, you think back to last year, that uh, Cincinnati game, you know, he gets the pick six early, but then he blocks the extra point, you know, to, to literally save them at the at the buzzer. And then, you know, just so many of the interceptions he had last year, you know, he closed out the Baltimore game with an interception. He closed out the Falcons game with an interception. It's just the playmaking skills itself are so rare. And I just think like the game to game consistency, like, you know, when I'm like watching film, you know, week to week, it's just he very rarely has a great like a like a really, really bad game. Like the only game that I thought he really struggled in last season was the Eagles game. And that was, I don't know if they had more than one or two guys in on the team that played well against the Eagles last year. So like, he's just so consistently impactful. Um, you know, he's, he's great in coverage. You can do anything you want him to do. He could play center field. He could play half safety. He can roll down as the robber, you know, they, they, they can use him however they want. He's just always around the football. He's just so such a complete player. And in my opinion, definitely deserving of that recognition as, you know, arguably the best safety in the league. Thanks for reminding me about how nuts that Bengals game was last year. The Bro, opener. we can't do another we can't do another Steelers Bengals game like that. We can't do another opener. I, my heart cannot take it. <laughs> there was a lot going on. Uh, you could have uh, written an epic novel on just the the final couple of minutes of regulation and and overtime wow. so uh we're, we're hoping for a similar excitement but maybe not uh that level of, of heart palpitations here in the right. order on sunday against the niners all right fourth down more of a big picture thing here before we wrap it up here and again uh, Derek bell will be my guest throughout the season on your steelers now pregame scout as we uh hit our fourth and final topic and there you see it below us is mike tomlin's secret sauce real you look at last year Derek, and just from the the Zoom out 30,000 feet numbers. The Steelers should not have been nine and eight last season, not just because they started two and six, but also because they scored uh, just the 26th most points in the NFL out of 32 teams. That's uh, seven from the bottom, to put it a different way, 18.1 points per game. Uh, they Their defense was quite good. It was 10th in the NFL. But if you just went by point differential, they should have probably been uh, a seven and 10 team last season but as Mike Tomlin has done even if he doesn't get the Steelers to the playoffs he makes sure they don't have a, a losing record and last year by all rights should have been the transition year it should have been the year where they do drop down below 500 or for what it's worth either you make the playoffs or you miss them but there is something to that uh that streak of a of a non-losing uh Steelers season which dates on back all the way through Mike Tomlin's tenure so uh, he continues to do it what do you think is the uh is that secret sauce is there something you can put your finger on with Tomlin, or is it more uh, based on what the players are able to do? Or do you buy into the fact that there's um, there's something interesting or even mystical going on with Tomlin in, in charge? Yeah, it's hard for us to kind of quantify, I guess, because we're not in the room, right? You know, and I think um, I think you just have to acknowledge Tomlin is, 
you know, he's one of the best, I think, floor raisers um, in terms of coaches that we have in sports in general, not just football, but just um, across all sports. I mean, it just the the results, you know, they speak for themselves, you know, never having a losing season uh, since he's been the head coach here since what, 2007 now. I mean, that's that's an incredible feat uh, in and of itself. And I know I know that people are frustrated with the lack of playoff success in recent memory, but um, I just think the process, um, they're already kind of, in my opinion, a little bit early on this rebuild. You know, you you go nine and eight, you barely missed the playoffs last season. I think that, you know, they've had a successful preseason. There's a little bit of optimism around this team headed into year two of the, you know, post Big Ben kind of era of the Steelers. And I just think that they're in a really good spot. They've got some young players that, you know, they're waiting on some breakouts. They've got a lot of talent on this roster. I think, you know, even in a really good AFC North, the Steelers should compete for a playoff spot right here. And I think that um, we have a tendency to get impatient sometimes with head coaches and we just want them to win, 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 no matter what. But I just think the process itself um, is they're, they're on track, if not ahead. And I think that Tomlin you know, you talk about the secret sauce, man, whatever it is, um, you know, he always seems to get his teams to just compete like hell. I mean, like you said, they were two and six at one point last year and, you know, they never stopped fighting. You still saw the same amount of effort on, on both sides of the ball. Um, it wasn't always pretty, you know, they won a lot of ugly games, even down the stretch when they went on that kind of winning streak. Um, but you know, there are no style points in the NFL. Four of those last six victories, by the way, for the Steelers were on the road, too. So it's not like they got it done in some easy fashion. Yes, they, they beat some below 500 teams, but the way they wrapped it up, it's it's uh, tough to argue against the fact that there is a certain something about a Mike Tomlin team. All right, last question for you, Derek, and then we'll sign off for the week. What is the biggest obstacle between the Steelers team and not just making the playoffs, but getting that first playoff win since the the height of the Killer Bees era back in 2016 at Kansas City. That's the last time the Steelers won a playoff game. So they haven't made the playoffs uh, with Kenny Pickett in charge with this new era of Steelers football. Uh, But what's keeping them from getting back to that playoff glory, if if you had to pick one thing? Yeah, I mean, I think... First, first off, something that's really out of their control is that they play in the AFC and in particular the AFC North. You know, you look around at these other teams in the division, um, you know, Cincinnati is definitely a Super Bowl contender. You know, they, they've been they've been to the Super Bowl. They've been to the AFC championship game. They're knocking on the doorstep. It's a really talented roster with uh, one of the better quarterbacks in football. You know, even look at a team like Baltimore, who made the playoffs last year, but kind of kind of fell off late just because Lamar Jackson's had some struggles to stay in hurt or stay in healthy, I should say. Um, you know, and then a, a team like Cleveland, too. You know, Cleveland's really talented. We'll see what happens at the quarterback position there. But, you know, this is the AFC North um, is probably the best division top to bottom uh, in the National Football League. I think that uh, NFC East probably can give it a little bit of a run for its money, but that's probably the most the thing that's working against them most from getting there is like their schedule is just going to be it, the AFC North going to be a bloodbath and then that's really difficult to uh, you know try to get to those double digit wins that they're going to be looking for, but I think from a you know their own perspective I just think that the, what we need to see from the Steelers is we need to see them showcase the ability to win a shootout. You know, the defense, like you said, is really good. There's a lot of talent on that side of the ball. But there's going to come a time where they're going to go up against, you know, um, some of these elite offenses um, in the AFC, you know, with some of these freakish quarterbacks where they're going to have to score 30 points, where they're going to have to go win a 35-32 game, something like that. So 
we just we haven't seen it so it's it's difficult to say that it can't happen you know we need to see it with our own two eyes but um i think that if you can do that you know they don't have to do it consistently but if they can at least show they could do it when they need to like once or twice a season that's when you can get really excited about the Steelers potentially making another Super Bowl run. Yeah, to your point, last year they only scored 30 points once, and it was in a loss to the Bengals at home, 37-30. to 30. Uh, Here's their point totals in their last six wins last year, 24-19, 24-13, 16, and then 28 um, in that season-ending win against the Browns at home. So, yeah, that is something they have to tick off, and – uh, maybe, well, obviously in today's NFL, you're going to have to win some of those games eventually. You can't just limit it like you used to maybe in the, certainly in the 70s, even into the 90s and early 2000s. There were some Steelers teams that you probably just needed three touchdowns to win, but yeah. that's not going to be the case more often than not in this era. All right, Derek, I had a great time. Thanks for joining me on the Steelers Now pregame scouts. Um, anything else you'd like to share as far as where folks can find you on social media and also on the website, of course? Yeah, all, all my written work, uh, SteelersNow.com. Uh, really excited to be over there uh, for this upcoming season. And then my Twitter handle is at Steelers underscore DB. Definitely uh, appreciate you joining me, man. And I'm, I'm looking forward to doing this uh, every week. Hopefully, everybody, uh, hopefully there's some good feedback in the chat. Let us know how you guys like the format of the show. Uh, hopefully, this is a lot of good information. Give you all some you know, stuff to look forward to when you're watching the game on Sunday. I should mention this will be available not just on our YouTube page on Steelers Now, but also via podcast. So if you're subscribed to our podcasts in that way, you'll be able to get it in just an audio-only version, which might be preferable to you. Who knows? Unless you want to look at our faces for 30 minutes, in which case we say thank you very much. Right. All right. For Derek Bell, I'm Matt Geico. Great to talk to you again about football on the channel here. And you can find Steelers and Niners on Fox. And then after the fact, and also before the fact, but definitely after the fact, catch all your post-game coverage at SteelersNow.com and follow the website on social at PGH Steelers Now. Talk to you next time.